you, Richard. Thank you for guiding us to that throne as we have met with God in prayer. And now we want to listen to God and to meet with him once again on this Christmas Day, December 26th, as we celebrate and continue to celebrate Christ's birth. Now, just a few years back, there was a company named Tesco. It's a British supermarket company. And they posted an ad for a job, a Christmas light untangler. Company's website offered the following description for a 36-hour-a-week job. This new position will help you offer the chance to show that every little bit helps. First duty includes overseeing and managing the Christmas lights untangling stand. Beyond that basic duty, Tesco says candidates should be able to untangle 10 feet of Christmas lights in less than three minutes, as well as check the bulbs for signs of breakage. The ideal candidate also, and I quote, would be passionate about Christmas, the posting says. And as Tesco, the company, said just a few years ago, when it comes to Christmas, busyness and stress, every little bit helps. Well, I don't know if that would be my favorite job. What about you? Would you love to do that and make that a part of your work to say my exclusive task Uh, Yes, Angie, I see that hand. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm glad that there is someone who has responded to do that job, but what work are you called to do? I don't know what work you are called to do this Christmas season, but there is a task that God is calling you to do. And for some of you, this season, maybe it has felt like tedious work and work that you would rather not do. But I want to remind you of one thing that is very certain. You and I are called to live every day in the fullness of good news of great joy. That is the work that we are called to do. That is indeed the task that we are called to do, to live every day in the fullness of good news of great joy. So let's take some time. We're going to dig a little deeper into Luke 2, 10 to 14. We've read that scripture, and maybe you don't even need to look it up because you have those verses memorized already. We're going to review that Christmas story because this Christmas story is good news of great joy, and we need this. What is promised at the very heart of the Christmas story is not just a little joy, but it is great joy. Here is a New Testament word that you know already. It is mega joy. That is the Greek word. It is astonishing, amazing, and astounding joy. And this joy is at the heart of God's plan for us. The Old Testament tells us of the greatness of God, Isaiah 12:16 says, "Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the holy one of Israel among you." We can sing for joy because this great God is not frustrated by the problems of this day. 
or the crisis of the past few years. God is not wringing his hands and saying, what are we going to do about this? I like how one person said, joy is an act of defiance. Joy is an act of defiance against the enemies of the soul that will tell us, that will tell me and you, it's really looking hopeless now. Or Psalm 126, again ties together these two words, great and joy. Notice how it's written there. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. There is a direct connection between knowing the greatness of God and the joy that we experience. This great joy is for today. I think it was Pastor Richard, a few weeks ago, in a sermon, he said, uh, how can you have a sermon without a C.S. Lewis quote? So I'm going to include one here. And uh, this wonderful Christian teacher said this, and I think it's a wonderful comment that he gives as he speaks about joy. He says, good things, as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. Now, that's a very fitting illustration for us as we live life in this global pandemic. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. And if you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. They are a great foundation of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. And he continues saying this, Once you are united to God, how can you not live forever? And once you are separated from God, how can you not wither and die? In other words, I'd say it like this. The formula for joy is to get close to the one who has joy. The brokenness of this world is being redeemed by a great God. This great God is the maker of the heavens and the earth. This great God holds the stars in place, and he is the wise God who made you and me, and now this great God is coming to our rescue. This is great. In fact, I hope you will be captivated to say that this is the greatest story that has ever been told. And we get to participate in it because this is good news of great joy. You know that next phrase in the Christmas story. This is good news of great joy for all the people. That's what the angel said. Bringing good news of great joy for all the people. I think you and I know what it's like um, to be with a group of others to enter into a room and, and maybe to, to feel like you don't really belong, like you don't really fit or you're not really connecting with the people who are there. But here in the greatest story ever told, 
you and I get to participate in this good news. It's not just for a select few, but it is for all the people. It's for you. It's for me. And it's for all the people because God so loved the world. The church keeps moving and growing, doesn't it? Think of Africa, the continent of Africa. In the year 1900, there were 10 million Christians in Africa. By the year 2000, 100 years later, there were 360 million followers of Christ on the African continent. Philip Jenkins, who follows the trends of the church, foresees this incredible growth of the church in Africa, foreseeing more than one billion Christians on the African continent by the year 2050. Good news for all the people. In 1949, there were five million Christians in China. In that year, a very decisive year in history and the life of China, that year, all of the Christian missionaries and workers were kicked out of the country. And analysts were looking at the country saying, the church is only going to decline. But the church has steadily grown. And while it's hard to have an accurate assessment and number of how many Christians there are in China, observers see it as today approaching 100 million in that country. The angel's message of good news of great joy for all the people holds true. And for us too here at MCBC, even during this long season of social distancing, we have been able to share good news to many more people than before. Think of our online contact that we have now. And think also, this past year, we keep welcoming new people to our online small groups so that many newcomers have found their way into a community where they too can connect and grow and serve. It's happening amongst us. We still have been able to offer Alpha and to welcome seekers and newcomers to hear the good news again this past fall. And in the course, seekers have made steps of faith, strangers have become friends, and the good news is shared. I love being a part of Alpha. It's a part of our church. And this fall season, God showed up each week as our group gathered again. I connected with a few of our Alpha participants, and uh, here's what they told me about what they experienced in the weeks together of fall with our Alpha course. One said, what helped in the course was being able to share struggles with one another. One of the other members said, what helped was learning how to pray and to draw closer together. She continued, I would like to share with others how much God loves us and how he is able to change people's lives for the better. And another said this, I must say being a part of the Alpha Course has been more than what I expected. I found the presentations to be informative, delightful, and uplifting each session. 
Getting to meet and interact with other members has been so rewarding. This course has helped me to be more open with others and form a deeper connection with God through prayer. Overall, I love that Alpha knits together a group of people through the words of God where everyone feels so open and sincere. I hope you're inspired to hear those things. Here's what I am experiencing. Whatever restrictions we are facing right now, and whatever limits you might feel in your life, God's word is not limited. We can still trust that this is good news for all the people. And we get to be a part of sharing that good news of great joy with others. I used to think that sharing the good news of God's love was just something that we mainly declared to people who haven't yet heard the good news of God's story. But now I am so convinced that we keep sharing this good news with each other regularly. So for those of us who have heard this story many times, we get to hear the Christmas story again and receive the power um, that comes into our life. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. A Savior has been born to you, Do you know that salvation isn't just about going to heaven when you die? It's about getting heaven into you right here and now. So that God's kingdom is moving forcefully and you are being changed now, receiving the goodness of the kingdom. It's about getting heaven into us so that we can actually be prepared for heaven and want to be in heaven. God has descended from heaven to earth, and God meets us here, right where we are. In a dream, you know this part of the Christmas story, Joseph was called to name the baby Jesus. It was the clear message given from the angel. This name is chosen already. The name is Jesus, and Jesus is the same as the name Joshua in the Old Testament, or Yeshua. And you know what that word means? Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, it means God saves, or Savior. So built into his very name is wrapped up the idea that he has come to deliver us and to save us from our sins. When we sin and mess up our lives, we find that God doesn't go off and leave us. He enters into our trouble and saves us. The Savior has been born to you. The Savior has been born to you. The Savior has come for you. Look at these words in Titus. And now consider who the Savior is. Titus 3, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, 
not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generally, gener- generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Savior is loving and kind to meet us right where we are. The Savior is willing to cleanse us of our sin, our fears, our self-hatred, our inability to forgive others, and our inability to forgive ourselves, our weakness, our loneliness, our incontrollable habits, and our meaningless life. The Savior is present and is patiently working in my life day by day to address the areas in which I need to grow and to address the areas in which you need to grow. And the Savior will only come when we are so clear that we cannot save ourselves. If you think you've got it worked out all by yourself, then the Savior does not come. But he comes when we call on him and say, I need help, Lord. If you have not yet said yes to the Savior who is born for you, why not say yes now? The very next verse of that Christmas story, we hear that little phrase where the angel says, this shall be a sign to you. He ever talked with God and said, show me a sign of your presence. Sometimes I think if I were God's public relations manager, I would be quite ready to let him know what he should do to make himself known. Yeah, it's okay to have some angels singing in the sky, but only to a bunch of sheep and a handful of shepherds? Come on. I think it would be a little more impressive if the sound and light show could show up in downtown Jerusalem with a lot of people there, and God could show his ways to many people rather than to just a few. But God's ways are higher than our ways. And maybe we can say, that God's ways are smaller than our ways. At the end of the Gospel of Luke, Luke 23, when as Jesus was put on trial before going to the cross, he met with Herod. And we read that Herod was so pleased because he wanted to see a sign. He wanted to see a miracle from heaven. He wanted to see something flashy. And to Herod the Great in the Christmas story, and to Herod Antipas at the crucifixion, no sign was given. I think there's something of Herod in me, and maybe there's something of Herod in you. It's so possible that we can become like them, overlooking the simple signs that are given, and having no room for him until there is something bigger that is presented.
But in the Christmas story, the angel tells the shepherds, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. God is great, but his greatness is his littleness. His lowly descent. Here is his beauty. Look, here he is in a manger. The Old Testament prophet Micah speaks of the Messiah being born in a small and unimpressive little town, Bethlehem, a place of no reputation, a place of no value. And this is God's ways of using small and little things for great purposes. Think of that Old Testament story. Here's Gideon getting ready to go for battle, called by God to fight this battle. Gideon gathers together a great army. And what does God do? All God says is, your army is far too big. You have to make it smaller. Because when you go to battle, I want you to know that you're not fighting on your own strength, but you're fighting on my strength that I give to you. Gideon, I want you to know it's not military strength, but it's the Lord that saves. So what else happens in the Gospels when the multitudes are hungry and the thousands gather around and the disciples don't know where to get food? They say to Jesus, well, here's just a little boy. And he has five small barley loaves and two small fish. But, but, but how far will that go among so many people? And through the little gift from this small boy, thousands are fed. Jesus tells this story over and over again in the Gospels. Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And it's a very... Very small seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. And it grew and it became this great majestic tree. And the birds of the air came and perched in its branches. The Christmas story tells us that his greatness is in his littleness. This is the sign. This is the sign. Over the past four Sundays, as we have explored this magnificent passage in Philippians 2, we have seen this great God descending, taking the very nature of a servant. And ironically, when his life looked like the greatest failure, this is the time when God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus began and ended his life in restraints. Swaddling cloths wrapped up so tightly in a manger and wrapped up in a burial shroud in the tomb. He accepted the restraints and restrictions of coming to us. God's greatness, I have discovered, is not just his power. His greatness is his goodness and his love. 
in all of his greatness, Jesus did not march on Rome. He didn't compel anyone with his miracles. The one who is great became little for us. So now, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about being big enough or strong enough or influential enough. The Savior of the world has come in littleness and lowliness. And his transforming work really is good news for all the world. The Bible is filled with messages of God taking our little gifts, our little efforts, and when they are offered in faith, they are God's means of changing the world. I like what Mother Teresa said, we cannot all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Today we celebrate with great joy. So I want you to look at with me at verses 13 and 14. We read those verses too in the Christmas story. And remember that praise is a response of living in the fullness of this good news of great joy. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Every character in the Christmas story outside of King Herod responds by praising God. The angels praised God. The shepherds praised God. Mary praised God. The Magi praised God. And this is our calling. We get to be a part of the story as well. We get to gather around the manger and offer our praise today. Luke, this gospel writer who writes so decisively about praise in the Christmas story, concludes his gospel. The very last words of his gospel are these. Listen. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Beginning and end, praise. What is praise anyway? There are times when we legitimately praise other people for their good qualities. Don't we do that when we're in conversation? That was a great job. Thank you for everything that you did. That is praise and It is a good thing for us to give our praise and to affirm other people's strengths. We praise what we value. All enjoyment flows over into praise. Hey, who went to see the latest movie? Who went to see Spider-Man? And I talk with people afterwards and they start praising it and they say, that was great. I so enjoyed watching that. Enjoyment flows over into praise. How much more when we speak of the nature of God. To praise is to call attention to God's greatness. It's the act of declaring God's nature, his unfailing love, and his marvelous creation. 
It is the task of the church today, and it is the future of the vocation of the redeemed. This is what we will share in. And as we come to the Psalms, we are urged to praise the Lord by singing and shouting, by dancing, and with musical instruments. It is exuberant. Some people say that praise is the fruit of the lips and worship is the fruit of the heart. Psalm 150 is the climax of the Psalms. At it includes the word praise in that short chapter 13 times. Where do we praise God? Verse 1, we praise him in the sanctuary. And the sanctuary, for those of us who are physically gathered here, it's here at 3434 Cothra Road. But for many of you, many more who are watching online, worshiping online, your worship center is your living room, your kitchen, your dining room, your bedroom, where you have gathered together. That is your sanctuary. Both here and across the ocean, we join together in this chorus of praise across the planet. But praise doesn't just take place here. Note that there is praise in the mighty heavens. Earth and heaven join together in this company of praise. Right now, the angels are praising God. And the company of the saints, the cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us, are gathered around the throne and praising God. This is not a boring worship service. We praise him now with the anticipation of seeing God face to face. And we honor the one who actually knows us better than we know ourselves. God's glory fills all of creation, and so too his praise must do no less. You and I have our part to do right here in offering our praise. Simply put, enjoyment flows over into praise. God is not like a vain movie star that craves our worship. Offering our praise to God is fitting. Offering our praise to God also changes us. And it comes back to what I was talking about at the beginning. When we call our attention to the greatness of God, it is then that we know that God is bigger than our problems. When we call our attention to the kindness of God, it's then that we experience the gift of living in kindness with others. When we call our attention to the patience of God and say, isn't God patient? It's then that we learn to be patient with others. Praise changes us. Offering praise can also be an act of defiance. An act of defiance because there may be moments, and maybe it's today for you, where praise feels hard. Praise, too, like joy, can be that defiance. 
Will you let this praise change you? I want you to notice that in Luke chapter 2, if you go back to that story again, that there was one angel that brought the message of the birth of Christ. One angel that came and said, look, I have good news for you that's for all the people. But then there was a great company. How many was a great company? I was trying to trace through how many that is. I think it's just a lot. (laughs) A lot. A whole crowd of angels then came onto the scene and started offering their praise. We lend our voices to each other. And we join together and each one offers our part. Did you know that no one else can praise God exactly the way that you do? No one else has had exactly the experiences that you have had. And since you are so unique, you have a unique response of praise to give. So will you join together in that response of praise? As it comes onto the screen, I'm going to ask you to recite this together and to join together with me as you think of what different characters in the Bible story have said about their response of praise? And then will you make it yours as well? Let's join together in this word of praise. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The angels sang, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Psalms tell us, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The disciple John writes, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So in this moment, we will praise him in the highest heavens, praise him in the stable, praise him in my heart.